One of my favorite stories is a story that the late Zig Ziglar used to tell. He talked about this couple that wanted to invite the family over for dinner and they were going to have a pot roast. When the time came to prepare the pot roast, the wife tells the husband, wait, 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 we have to cut the edges off the roast before we put it in the pot to put in the oven. And the husband looked at the wife and said, but wait, why do we have to cut the ends? Why is that? What's the reason behind it? Now the wife looked at him and said, well, you know what? I really don't know. I always did it because mom did it, but I really don't know why. He says, well, you know what? Your mom is right outside. Let's go ask her. So they go and they ask the mom, mom, why did you always cut the edges of the roast? And she said, huh? I don't really know why, I just did it because my mom did it. And then they are all like curious about why the grandma did it. So it just so happened that the grandma was in the house as well, so they go find her. And they're like, Grandma, why do we cut the edges, the ends of the roast? And she said, well, I cut the ends of the roast because it didn't fit in the pot that I had at the time. The moral of the story is that the grandma had a reason why she cut the ends of the roast. She knew why she was doing it. The rest, the daughter and the granddaughter, only did it because that's what they saw grandma do and they never stopped to question why. In that same manner, there are a lot of things that we believe and that we take at face value that keep us from doing certain things or that propel us to do certain things a certain way. And we rarely stop to question those things that we habitually do. There are myths that we buy into that can keep us stuck in the same patterns over and over again. And that if we would only stop for a second to question where those beliefs or those patterns came from, we would probably be surprised to find that we're not even really sure. We just do them because that's the way we've always done them or we don't do them because we have believed certain things. Now we've been talking the last couple of episodes about the importance of liberating our voices and the power behind our voices. But today I want to talk about three myths that a lot of us believe, that a lot of us hold on to. And we have very rarely, if ever, stopped to question why we believe that. And I want us to take a moment today to examine the source of those myths, to talk about what is truth and what is not behind those beliefs, and how those beliefs might have been keeping a lot of us from moving forward in speaking out and liberating our voices and and doing what we need to do to get our message out into the world so that by the end of our conversation today, the hope and the plan is that we will have dispelled these myths and we will be one step closer to feeling confident in sharing our message and liberating our voices. Communication. Its effective use is the key to success in business, relationships, and life. Yet, we're never taught to use communication in a way that is effective, productive, and positive. The result? Interactions that lead to overwhelm, stress, discontent, lack of motivation, poor relationships, and the feeling of not being fully heard. We're engaged in a permanent tug of war, not the true flow of proper communication. 
Is there a way to fix this? Can the way we communicate truly be the key to achieving balance and success in all aspects of our life? Join me, Marcy Amaro, as we explore the answers to these and other communication, influence, connection, and success questions here on Sincerely Speaking. So like I said before, there are certain things that we take at face value that we believe simply because we've heard them over and over again or we've heard them from people in authority in our lives and we trust and believe them so we take what comes from them and we say well that has to be the way it is there's no reason to question it there's no reason to examine it there's no reason to go beyond this this is just the way it is and we accept things as being a certain way simply because that is what we have always seen or that's what we have always heard but today I want us to stop for a second and I would love for us to examine some of these myths surrounding speaking in front of people surrounding sharing our message that might have kept a lot of us from moving forward and from really taking the steps necessary to share our message with others and the hope is that by the end of today's conversation we will have dispelled or uh, removed the veil from some of these myths so that we are clear on what the truth is and how we can move forward in spite of having believed this to be true for a long time. Now, the first myth that I would love to tackle is this idea that in order to be an effective public speaker, you have to be naturally born to be a good speaker. So this idea that good orators are born rather than made. For a lot of people, it's not even about the idea of being a good, solid speaker. It's this thought that in order for your message to be heard, for you to be an effective and uh, an attractive public speaker, you have to have this je ne sais quoi, this charisma that comes naturally to you, that cannot be taught, that cannot be learned, that cannot be improved. And that is the very first myth that we are going to break apart. Anything that you need in order to be a good, effective speaker, you have. I will say that again. Everything that you need in order to be a good, effective speaker, you already have. We are all born with the ability to communicate. Some of us have honed it and practiced it more than others. Some of us might have some things that we need to work at in order to improve and make them better. But we all have everything that we need in order to be good, effective speakers. How do I know this? Because we have conversations every day. So one of the very first shifts that I like to work clients through or help clients through is this thought or this notion that public speaking is different from having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. If we can make the shift from thinking about public speaking as standing in front of a group of a bunch of people and having all these eyes on us and if we can turn that around and reframe it to understand that it is a conversation and that conversations are held one-on-one -on -one, then we can start removing a lot of the fear 
that surrounds public speaking and we can start moving forward and delivering our message and liberating our voice. Now, let's back up a little bit and talk about why it is that standing in front of a group of people and speaking in front of people, it's such a frightening thing. Public speaking um, or talking in front of others is actually the most commonly shared fear in human beings, among human beings. It is actually more commonly heard than the fear of death. So one of my mentors put it this way, if we were at a funeral, most people would much rather be in the coffin than delivering the eulogy. Because most people are more afraid of public speaking than of death which to me is right now just unbelievable. But when you think about where that fear stems from or why we feel the fear, it makes sense. Now, our primitive brain associates eyes on you with predators chasing you, with predators looking at you like, ooh, an enticing meal, right? So when you have one pair of eyes, it can feel a little threatening depending on which pair of eyes we're talking about. But when you have 10 pairs of eyes or a hundred pairs of eyes or a thousand pairs of eyes on you, then it feels like you have a whole pack of wolves that are going to come and pounce on you and attack you. And your primitive brain starts getting all jittery because it's like, oh, wait, all these eyes are on me. It must mean that I am looking quite delicious at this point and they are going to come and attack me. And I have just now become the prey and I have all these predator eyes on me. But the truth of the matter is that when we can shift that perception and stop thinking about speaking in front of people as speaking to an audience and we start thinking about having one-on-one -on -one conversations with several people, then that changes the way our brain perceives those eyes on us. It actually changes how many pairs of eyes it feels on us and it allows us to relax a little bit more to feel less afraid so you could be standing in a group of a thousand but just focus on one pair of eyes at a time so find friendly eyes around you that you can focus on for three five ten seconds at a time it should be actually three seconds at a time but until you feel comfortable, maybe you find a very friendly pair of eyes that you can look towards or look at or have the conversation with for three to five seconds. And then find another pair of eyes and think about just conversing with that one person. Until you get used to this practice, maybe find a few friends or family members that would be willing to sit in your space, right? Wherever you are presenting in a, a spot where you can see them and lock eyes with them for a while and let them know I need to do this until I feel more confident. And it will help you practice this idea of not thinking about presenting as this whole bunch of people looking at me or as having to connect with everybody, but just thinking about one-on-one -on -one conversations. And we have one-on-one -on -one conversations all the time. so. If we can make that shift and remove the myth of thinking, oh no, I need to have all these skills. Now, the other thing I will say is charisma can be learned. Charisma is simply a series of postures, attitudes, 
and frames of speech that allow you to appear confident and to be attractive to the people who are looking at you and not attractive in the oh he's so cute or she's so beautiful but attractive in the sense of i would love to connect with this person i would love to hear what this person has to say that's all charisma is it's just a set of postures and frames of speech and intonations and just using your voice and your words in a certain way and your posture in a certain way so that those who are looking at you perceive you as confident and as attractive again in the sense of I want to follow this person I want to hear what this person has to say and all those things can be learned and they're not even that hard to learn it's just a matter of understanding what they are and practicing them a little bit so charisma can definitely be learned the skills of a proper speech can be learned the way in which you deliver your speech can be learned your pacing your intonation the modulation of your voice all of those things can be learned but all of those things are not necessary for you to be considered an effective public speaker all you need in order to be considered an effective public speaker is a message and the opportunity to present it in a way that somebody will get something out of it. And the way you do that is by reframing your presentation and not thinking in terms of how can I reach everybody, but thinking in terms of I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, one conversation at a time, then you will reach everybody. So that was the first myth, that speaking requires some natural born talent or ability that not everybody has. And now you know, we all have what we need to be good effective speakers. The second myth is that people are judging you as you speak. If you are presenting, if you are a speaker, people expect you to be perfect and they will judge anything that falls short of perfection. Now here is the truth. People are not concerned with perfection. The only thing that participants listening to your presentation are concerned with is whether what you're saying makes sense and whether it will work for them and how it will work for them. So it boils down to that acronym WIIFM, what's in it for me. People listening to your presentation are just searching for what's in it for them. They're not searching for your mistakes or your stumbles or your stutters or anything else. In fact, for the most part, people will embrace those moments of less than perfection because it will make you more relatable it will allow them to feel like whatever you're presenting whatever solution you're offering whatever um it is that you are presenting whatever idea or methodology or framework you're putting in front of them it will help them feel like they can do it too because they can see your humanity and they can see that they don't need to strive for perfection in order to achieve the same results that you have achieved so being human actually helps um, Tony Robbins talks about the positive intent behind things and that's his expression positive intent so we should approach every situation with the belief 
that everybody involved has a positive intent behind what they do right and i often say that unless you are working through some very difficult things unless you really need some serious help most people don't wake up in the morning thinking about how they're going to make everybody else miserable they actually wake up in the morning thinking about how they can make their day and everybody else's better so when people come to see you speak they actually want you to be successful first because if you're successful then they can feel like they can be successful as well like they can use whatever tools or strategies you're presenting to be successful as you have been successful secondly they want you to be successful because they are vicariously living through you that experience of presenting they are seeing you and they're thinking wow this person is so brave to be standing in front of all these people i wish i could do that too and if they can be successful and i can relate to their success then i can do it as well and thirdly they want you to be successful because i don't know if you've ever been in a situation where the person in front of you is not doing so well or you can sense their nerves or you can see how tense they are you start empathizing with them and kind of mirroring those emotions and you start getting uncomfortable as well a little bit right so they want you to be successful because they want to feel and experience what you're feeling and experiencing to be a positive thing not a tense negative or less than empowering thing so everybody who's watching you wants you to be successful and they're not looking to nitpick at what you did quote unquote wrong or less than perfect what they're looking for is what you have to offer that will actually be of benefit to them so that second myth of people expect me to be perfect if I'm the presenter or if I'm going to be a speaker, I cannot make any mistakes and people are going to judge me if I do. It's completely off base because people who come to listen to you speak or who tune in to your podcast or turn on your video, they want to learn from it. They want some benefit from it. And in order for that to happen, they need you to be successful. So they're rooting for you to be successful in whatever it is that you're doing. And the third and final myth is that you must sound like some other great speaker. You can fill in the blank there. If you like Tony Robbins, I must sound like Tony Robbins in order to uh, present my message in a way that is effective. Or I must act or be like fill in the blank again, whoever your favorite speaker is, T.D. Jakes, um, John Maxwell, whoever, I don't know, <laughs> Brené Brown. And you start thinking, okay, I must act in the way this person acts. And I must speak following the same types of mannerisms and movements and intonations. And my voice has to sound like theirs. And my speech has to follow the same pattern as theirs. Now, there are there are certain patterns that make any presentation flow better and those can be learned those i can teach you easily and there are certain things that you can do to improve the way in which you deliver a message but the bottom line is that unless you're being genuine and authentic 
anything that you do is not going to be sustainable and at some point you're going to go back to who you really are and then people are going to question which one is the fake one the first one or the second one which is not to say that you can't model certain aspects of what other people do especially at the beginning and until you get comfortable it helps to model what other people do to take a few things that you know can work with who you are and what you want to do and incorporate them into the way you do things and they might eventually become second nature but if you are completely pushing aside who you are your personality your genuineness your authentic self in order to be completely like someone else that is not going to be sustainable and eventually it's going to come back and bite you in the rear right so yes look to these models and learn from what works for them what attracts you to them what makes you what compels you to watch or to listen and maybe pick a few things here and there that match or that work with your personality and who you are and that will help you build that confidence until it is fully yours but do not ever think that you have to be like somebody else in fact if you go back and you think about the people that i mentioned right tony robbins brené brown td jakes think brendan bashard think simon sinek think all these fabulous amazing well-known speakers and you will see that they are completely different one from the other they're all passionate about what they say which is something that you should be as well right that's one thing that you can model is knowing that you have to be passionate about what you say but they're each passionate about different things and they're all energetic in their own way but the level of energy that for example Brené Brown brings is very different from the one that Tony Robbins brings and they're still both just as effective right they're both just as powerful in their presentations and in delivering their message and using their voice so don't think for a second that all these amazing speakers are trying to imitate each other in fact what makes them so wonderful and so amazing is that because they are different from one another they can appeal to different audiences and different groups of people and that will create their own individual tribes that's why they can all have platforms that are extremely successful because they don't all appeal to the same per same people right they appeal to different people so as you start to hone in your message as you start to liberate your voice and deliver your speech and deliver your presentation make sure that authenticity reigns and that you understand that you don't need to be like anybody else what is going to help you stand out and um be stand out from the noise right and be heard and be found and be seen is the fact that you are a unique individual you have no idea how many times i thought at the beginning of my speaking career and at the beginning of my teaching and all these things that i had to sound a certain way that my tone of voice needed to be specifically one way or another or that i needed to do whatever it was that other people were doing only 
to find that I only really felt successful, that I only really felt like I was reaching people when I was allowed, when I allowed myself to be authentic. And then I kept hearing people say, oh, your voice is so soothing. Well, at the beginning, I was trying to be loud and boisterous. That didn't last because that's not who I am. And when I started using my voice the way it is, people gravitated towards me who needed a more even kill, uh, less out there type of presentation. And they loved the fact that my voice tends to be soothing, tends to be a little bit calmer. And they still got value from what I was presenting. So don't buy into the lie that you need to sound or be like anybody else. I hope that this helps. We have dispelled three of the biggest myths or the biggest shifts that I help clients go through as they begin to work with me. These are the three things that I hear most often that we have to work through at the mindset level before we can get technical and before we can get practical. So hopefully listening to these myths and listening to them being dispelled has opened up for you something that will allow you to finally stand out there share your message and let your voice be heard i want to sincerely thank you for spending this time with me today i know you have a million things you could be doing so i appreciate you tuning in if you have found value in this conversation, please share it with others. And as a thank you, I'd like to invite you to download a free copy of my Tough Talks checklist, which will walk you through how to transform even the most difficult conversations into tools for connection, respect, and collaboration. Simply visit marciamaro.com for details. Until next time, I'm Marcia Amaro, and this has been Sincerely Speaking.